Please note, for maximum picture quality, it may be necessary to adjust the tracking control on your VCR. If we haven't lost all of our listeners, we have we have now. Robert Rich is still singing in my ears. Hang on. Um, <laughs> and this is just your tracking? Were you actually like singing along with him? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember the lyrics. <laughs> I was just copying him. <laughs> Hello. And welcome to Adjust Your Tracking. We're a podcast where we're on adventure to watch a century cinema, decade by decade, year by year. And I am one host, Liam, and with me is... The other host. My name's Ollie. He's, Hello. He's gone. He's gone. He's left because he didn't like my singing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was beautiful. I was trying to be menacing. I was trying to really get that kind of, you know, menacing <laughs> spirit. Of that that plays through this film, and I think I was trying to embody that. And I think you, you just you just can't be menacing. Try as hard as you can. It's just it's, <laughs> it's not going to happen. I'm afraid. <laughs> I could hear you giggling my ears, and it was making me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is a late night record, so it's going to be a bit giddy. And so apologies to everyone <laughs> out there. <laughs> but, um, how are you, Ollie? Yeah, you know, I'm good, thanks. It's currently ten to ten at the moment, so it's going to be a a late night sexy podcast talking about sexy podcast. serial killer, self-proclaimed preacher men. Yeah, and shadows. I think we were talking about shadows a lot. That's what we've been talking yeah, about. Yeah, definitely. This film's mainly shadows. How are, you, how are you? You all right? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, it's Easter this weekend, so I've it got is. loads of plans of nothing whatsoever. <laughs> I never liked Easter as a kid. I mean, I just thought it was a bit naff. <laughs> but uh, that was just me. <laughs> Great. Did you get Easter gifts as a kid? Or was it just like well, chocolate? Well, I couldn't eat dairy. for, Or, eat, or you know, I couldn't have dairy uh, as a child. So I used to tend to get like little presents. So I'd get like a, a Ninja Turtle or something like that. So I never really got chocolate. Oh, so, yeah. I didn't know that. Well, I might have known it. I might have forgotten That's probably... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of it, it triggered off my asthma. So, oh right, dairy. Yeah, weird. I didn't know that was a thing. Well, I've no. learned something. <laughs> it might not be a thing. It could be just my parents not wanting to eat chocolate. Eat chocolate. Mean, so. Yeah. No, you can't have that. It kills you. <laughs> okay, mum and dad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I'll happily accept a Raphael or a Ghostbusters pencil case. That hasn't changed. <laughs> it hasn't changed. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's very easy to buy for. Caroline's uh, been she's obsessed with Animal Crossing. Oh yeah. And um they don't call it like you know how they they've got lots of themes and stuff so like it's seasonal so like now it's spring the whole game looks different like yeah, okay. before it was all snow and stuff like that. They don't call it Easter in the game. They call it Bunny Day. <laughs> <laughs> of course they do. <laughs> so I, don't, I have no I have no idea what they call Christmas in the game but um... yeah. 
It's probably it's going to be something like winter mass or something, isn't it? Like winter yeah, festival or or snow yeah. day or something. All you Animal Crossing fans out there, tell me what Christmas is called in Animal Crossing because I've never played Animal Crossing ever. I've never played one one second of it, and I don't it's, know why. It, it's like a life simulator. That's all it is. Like yeah. Caroline just goes round uh, building bridges. Uh, sure. Growing flowers, selling turnips, um, <laughs> but she loves it. She's addicted to it so much so that she bought her own switch this week, so I can actually have mine back now. Oh no way! <laughs> have you added me on Switch yet, friends? Are you, are you still refusing to add me as friends? I, I've, I'm going to address dude, this on I, air, <laughs> dude. Since you got your Switch, I've not even been able to touch mine because Caroline's <laughs> been on it nonstop playing Animal Crossing. I'm not even joking. <laughs> I forgive you. I love you, currently collecting dust as well. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really bad at those games. Like um, Stardew Valley, I know everyone in the world adores Stardew Valley and says how it's so like wonderful and brilliant and things. And I play it and I just, I just turn off. I just, I don't, (laughs) I like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what my target is. I, I find it stressful, even though it's meant to be like relaxing. I'm just. (laughs) I'm not good at those games. I, I, my brain doesn't work for them. I don't know if it's like, I don't know, signs of ADHD or something, or I don't know, but I can't do it. It's like you you can you can upload your island and it's called a, you like, you go to bed to sleep and then you can go on people's islands. You can't affect their island, but you can just have a, like a mooch around and see what you think about <laughs> it. And you can actually like visit other people's islands and you trade goods and stuff like that. So I like but it. Like, is, was Harvest Moon another one of those kind of games? Uh, it, it was a farming moon? game, definitely. Harvest Moon, yeah. yeah. I'm sure it was a farming game on like the N64. Is it that old, Harvest Moon? Probably, yeah. I, th- I think I remember it being huge. Apparently there's a Harvest Moon on Switch. So apparently okay. it exists. Didn't know that. What was and the like... big one that was on iOS and stuff like that? And on like, it was like a... It was like uh, a... What, like the Facebook game? <laughs> yeah, there was one of those ones. What was that one? Farm? Farmville. Phil, <laughs> yes, Farmfields. I never played that. Never played apparently that. Apparently, someone apparently someone played that that much that they died. They're like, <laughs> have you heard about that story? <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that's true. <laughs> Breaking news. Are you googling Farmdill death? death. Uh, finally, see if we become a true crime podcast, we'll get all those true crime listeners. Oh no, this is it's even worse. Jacksonville oh, mum who killed baby while playing Farmville. <laughs> what? It got even darker. What? What? <laughs> I'm not even going to read that story. <laughs> no, put it away. <laughs> put it away, it's tainted, it's evil, it's cursed. Cursed story. Remember when Facebook was just people telling you to kind of play their games or something? And it was just <laughs> like constantly you just get notifications of like so and so is picked apples and that was just what facebook was <laughs> yeah poking and all that like the thing i hate is like you've got that like memory or whatever it's called like it tells you what you did you posted like what seven years ago to the day or 10 years ago to the day oh, and right, like yeah. i don't know if i was the only person who did this but i noticed and it's really cringe <laughs> that obviously it says my name oliver jones yeah. And it, I'd always put is doing is such and oh, such. Oh no no! Is. Yeah, that was uh, it. That I was, was like, the language. Wh- yeah. Why did I do that? It's so cringe. I still have like people 
I'm going to be careful how I word this. <laughs> There's people <laughs> I know it. on Facebook that still do that, and it, and it annoys me <laughs> every time I see it. To be honest, I don't log on Facebook that much anymore, thankfully. I just can't, like, every time I try and deactivate my account, it's it does I can't <laughs> do it, because there are things like that use it or there's like a group that i need or something you know like or it's just so it just sits there as like i'm trying not to use you as much as much as i can but i can't quite deactivate you which is the the, which zuckerberg the trap (laughs) falling for the trap what films you've watched good question have you watched schneider i was gonna call it schneiderville (laughs) have you watched schneiderville yet no, I'm I'm kind of sick of hearing about it. To be honest, like every podcast, every video yeah, you find yeah. is, is just on about it, and I'm just I think I know everything that happens in it now. Okay. I haven't watched it. I will watch it. I just haven't had time. You know, it's it's a four hour commitment, and yeah, I think it took me three days to watch it. No joke. <laughs> like... That's in real time as well. That's in real time. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> that wasn't. That's without pausing. <laughs> like... <laughs> what did you think of it? Uh, I was gonna wait till you watch it to um chat about it really but like but um as you say there's it's not that interesting to talk about i think you're right like it's not that interesting to talk about the the very facts of it is that it might be the best thing Zack snyder's made but (laughs) it's that saying much so but yeah for me that's not saying much i don't really like the stuff he makes like but it's certainly like it's a it's a um yeah, yeah, it's a film. Whereas, like the hatchet job they did on the original thing, of course that was crap, you know. Like, but there was stuff about the Weddon's one that I missed. Like the characterization of Superman in this is god awful. <laughs> like, um, the whole last epilogue of it is is almost drag. It drags it down by a star in my rating. Frankly, that last like is that more minutes, him so. trolling? Do you reckon? Um, I think it's him saying like, "Look what you could have had." Um, oh, okay. And look where we could have gone. Really, I think I don't think it's him thinking he'll get anything from it. But I right. mean, ultimately, it's it's quite watchable, and I think it's a good testament to the fact that maybe Zack Snyder does work better in this kind of format. Like, I can't quite explain it. Yeah, no, but I, I see what you mean. Giving him like four hours to just do his stuff makes him better, um, mm. rather than like trying to cram that into anything shorter um even though there's definitely stuff you could take this out but you, you know like you definitely could make a shorter film that this is better that's better than the original justice league release but I've, I've been recently sold an idea for for him which i think does work in the fact that like i don't think he's trying to really tell a message most of the time i think you can no. read stuff in his work because obviously he's obsessed with Arn rand and that's just that is just full in his work but i think generally he's not actually doing that he's just he's absolutely a filmmaker that's kind of like what's cool let's do the yeah, cool yeah, thing yeah. and that's pretty much where he sits really and it just means yeah, that sometimes so. those like more insidious stuff or the more kind of horrible stuff that comes out of his work the stuff that i don't really don't like i don't think it's intentionally in there as yeah, much as I it's agree. just in it's just baked into the into it really mm. so but it's it's worth I, I it's worth a watch frankly it is um but this again we could talk about nuances in it that i really don't like superman's a really big part of what i don't like about it, it really is um and that's just because i'm desperate to see superman on screen you know 
and not just what they did. And the whole black suit thing is just a thing that makes no sense in narrative terms at all. Well, you know, they shot Um, it in colour, the suits in colour, and then he digitally, like, altered it to (laughs) be black. Yeah. (laughs) It makes no sense. It literally makes no narrative sense. It's just in it because they're like, the black suit's cool. Like, that is it. Like, yeah. We've got to have him in the black suit because it's cool, but it makes no narrative sense. In fact, he's kind of meant to be a bit lighter. But all the kind of better stuff with Superman was Wedden in the in the Justice League, right. basically. Like it just didn't work because that film's a mess, you know. But there was stuff that we were always like that's kind of good for Superman. That that feels a bit more like Superman. Maybe this was his plan, and then you watch it, it really wasn't. And there's then there's <laughs> like there's some stuff in it that's like I would have sworn that was like a Wedden thing and it's not it was like in the original script and things and like the um like the uh the grave digging scene basically between like cyclops and flash when they're digging superman up i thought i would have sworn that was wed and coming on as a script writer and it wasn't it was was in the original script so there's weird i heard there's more to that though yeah there's a lot more i think there's just more to everything there's more to everything (laughs) and i think it benefits from the fact that we now know three of the characters quite well um, whereas when it originally was released, we didn't know anyone really apart from Batman and Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I can't, maybe Wonder Woman had got released, but, um, yeah, that'd be that, yeah. But I think it helps that Aquaman had a film because they mm-hmm. don't need to spend much time on him in this. And actually, you could have cut down his stuff a little bit more because it doesn't, doesn't work as an introduction to Aquaman at all, but it does kind of work as an introduction to Flash and it definitely works as an introduction for, to Cyclops. Um, Cyclops, Cyclops. <laughs> Cyborg. <laughs> so there is there is positives about it. But release the Scott Summers cut. Release the Scott Summers. Scott Scott Summers. <laughs> <laughs> Although there is a really creepy thing in the Flash introduction, which I don't think I've heard many people talk about. But is, is like this the sausage. I've heard about yep, a sausage. Well, this it is the sausage scene. But basically, like, <laughs> it just made me think of something else. But. When he runs to save Iris West from a car crash, he spends a significant amount of time in like super speed, like staring at her and then like moving her hair out of her like eyes and stuff like that. And like, I'm like, this is like, I'm sure this is meant to be kind of like nice and romantic and it's going to be quite <laughs> right, incredibly it's predatory, like, yeah. like creepy behavior. <laughs> you wouldn't like the idea that the guy who can move super fast can super like kind of molest you without you knowing about it. Like, but it does Never kind of suggest that. that. <laughs> and I'm like, why? This is, and it's very, because it's in slow motion. It's very fucking long. Like, and it is weird right. that like there's so much slow motion in this, yet they choose to show the flashes like superpower in slow motion um which kind of negates the other slow motion as well oh, okay, like, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. choices like that is like that's you're not that's a weird choice that you've done yeah. both you choose to portray both like that <laughs> i guess it's awkward because like the x-men films with quicksilver have done it really 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 well so they're kind of yeah they have that, yeah. I guess. But, but, yeah yeah it's worth a watch I'll give you um, a watch when I've got twelve hours free. <laughs> but the um do you know the you know the future world stuff as well? Which I only found this out recently and I can't believe this is what it was. Like they he's now said that the future stuff that Batman kept dreaming about, which is like the huge part of the epilogue in this, mm-hmm. um is a world where Bruce Wayne slept with Lois Lane 
and made Superman <laughs> angry. So basically, Bruce Wayne cucked Superman is what this future <laughs> world is. And I thought it was going to be like a world after the anti-life equation and Superman's like controlled by anti-life. And it's not. It's a world where Superman got cucked and he's angry. <laughs> what? Well, because... <laughs> Because I've heard there's meant to be a pregnancy test thing in this. Okay. Were they gonna Were they gonna hint that that was gonna be Bruce's, Bruce's. child then? Or something? Yeah, yeah. It must, that was apparently the plan. That's which I really, find really fucking weird. Yeah, it's really weird. Like so weird. And like, and especially like we're all been these old films. Big complaint is that like they don't feel right. You know, the big thing that. The reason Justice League got so messed up is because Batman vs Superman is a complete mess. Like, and they were, and the studio was really worried about going forward with that plan. Um, and uh, there wasn't a plan to kind of have Superman as ever the hero of DC. Like, as far as I can tell, if like this was meant to be the third Justice League film, was meant to be the future world stuff with evil mm-hmm. Superman. So they, like, that's two other three films at least we might actually get to a Superman. Like ever, I I find that like that you in your first film, fine, you can have your hero kind of doubting themselves and stuff like that. But yeah. I think by the end of that first film, they should be the character that we kind of want them to be. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like I feel like at the end of Batman Begins, like when he's on the rooftop with Jim Gordon. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, he's yeah. Batman. That's he's a, like, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they just didn't do that with these. They were like, no, we're going to get to it eventually by the sixth film. Yeah. It's like, no. <laughs> Put ev- all your eggs in the first film. Absolutely. And then, you know, do you know what I mean? Don't. I hate it when they're like, oh, we'll save it for another one. Like, no, just focus on the one you're doing. Just do something. Yeah. Make us love this. Yeah. And it's the same with it's the same with Batman. I just see there's so little for 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 Affleck to do. There's so mm. little for him to be to get into character and to get into stuff because it's just, he's just playing a character that's like almost doesn't have a place in the world anymore, you know. Like and, and it's like this is such a bad position to put that character in. It's not right. It's it's not his role. And basically, like his whole thing in Justice League is just like a character that feels a bit bad that Superman died. It's like that's all you've given him to do, and it's just that's that's a crap Batman. I remember him in the end battle in the original one, and he's just like running around with a little alien gun. I'm like, what what is what am I watching? What is this? Like, no. I don't know. But it's a strange artifact. And I do kind of like I do kind of like that DC seems to be embracing this idea that we can just have like multiple versions of these characters. So it kind of because of that, it makes me a little less precious over them as well. And I think maybe I was a bit too precious. And it just makes me a little bit like, fine, that sits there and that's what it is. And that's that's kind of, it was all right to watch, you know. And it's not like, it doesn't feel like that it's going to be these versions of these characters for the next 10 years. Which I think that's what was bumming me out when watching the kind of like yeah. Batman versus Now you, you can kind of pick and choose which ones you want to follow. Yeah. If, if they kind of do that. Because you know, you've got J.J. Abrams apparently doing like his own Superman. Which Superman, apparently Superman, might be yeah. a person of colour. Which yeah. I, I don't know how they'll handle that if you'll be Clark, if you'll be... Because I think there is a black Superman. Yeah, Grant Morrison character. wrote a black Superman in Batman yeah, yeah, DC. Yeah. Like, um, so it'd be interesting. So it'd be interesting one, yeah. for, to not be Clark, like be a whole new character that people sure. can kind of... And again, mean, like, you know. it'd be just like, yeah, okay, that exists there. I liked it or didn't like it, but that's yeah, just exactly. that character. Like, I think that's kind of 
I think that's a really good way to deal with these characters, actually. So that's kind of exciting to me that they've got to a place where they can just do that, really. I mean, like, this thing, though, seems to be really successful, and it's doing quite well, like, in, like, uh, like reviews and stuff. So I wonder if they will eventually, like, yeah, somehow carry it on. Who knows? I would and love cause... to see Cavill again, because I think he's got it in him to be a, a great Superman. Yeah, it's I not agree. His, it's not his fault that he's got, like, crappy material. Yeah. And, like, I mean, Affleck didn't want to play the character again because, like, I don't know, it, I know it went into his kind of, like, alcohol abuse and things like that. Like, yeah, and he was just, he was like, I can't, it's going to kill me if I keep doing this kind of thing. So, but Cavill, I think, yeah, I, I want to see him do more with the character. Well, I mean, he's I mean, doing Batman again, isn't he? Because he's doing The Flash. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, whatever the hell's going on with The Flash, yeah. Because apparently Michael Keaton said that... um he doesn't want to come to the UK because he's scared of COVID. And I've got news for you, Michael Keaton. <laughs> COVID's everywhere. <laughs> fair, fair enough, Michael Keaton. It's so. But weird. that could be just him thrown off the scent because he's never been officially announced. So that could be just him, like. Oh, uh, maybe, yeah. maybe. I'm quite excited that they've announced Satana. Oh yeah, it's that HBO Max like, like, uh, like its own movie kind of thing. Is that? Am I, no, am I right? They have announced the Tana film. I think they've announced the Tana and Batgirl, but I think they're like HBO Max-like films. Okay. But they've also... Yeah, because Emerald Fennel, that's it. F- Fennel? Who wrote um, Promising Young Woman <laughs> and directed Promising Young Woman. Oh, yes, that's... Yeah, that's, yeah so she's That's been, exciting. And that that's a great fit. And I love Zatanna, so I'd be really excited to see what they do with Zatanna. They're doing the thing that, they, that annoys me, though. They get these promising new filmmakers that have done one <laughs> film and they're like yoink film. we're taking you out of that and we're putting you in our system now. and i think yeah. oh, i just wish they kind of let them kind of just i keep just... thinking i've not no one else i've not heard any other person say this so this is this guess this is a hot take but like <laughs> um i like the rider is it was is harrowing like nomadland is is got all these oscar nominations like and it i don't think it'll win best picture i can't i don't think it can win best picture in this year but it's great that it got nominated but like um i'm really disappointed that her next film is the eternals like it's oh. just seems it's like you got these two great build-ups of this someone who does this it might not be everyone's flavor, but the fact that she mixes in like real world people and real and real people and with actors and narrative and stuff like that is unique. Her unique voice, you know. And I was interested to see where she goes with that, you know, after Nomadland, and where she goes with it is doing Eternals. And I'm just a little bit like, I'm a bit bummed out by that. I am a I am a little bit bummed out by that, even though maybe the Eternals be wonderful. I just think it's a bit, I don't know. Annoying, I guess. Well, it's got a great cast in that, and uh, apparently they they've kind of um, they've got a whole new revolutionary way that they're filming Eternal, so I'm quite interested to see that. And um, they've got Kamal in it, and I love Kamal. So yeah, what's he? He just been announced for Obi Wan as well, hasn't he? Yeah, I'm interested to know who he's playing in that. Yeah, he's just getting all the roles. Yeah, Disney definitely like to stick within their kind of. Once you once you in the Disney system, yes, you get yeah. put into every other franchise. Don't you? you get shoved into everything, and then they see what you fit. Yeah, you get an animated film, you get a Marvel film, and you get a Star Wars film. Yeah, yeah, you definitely get a voiceover. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, look at um, what's his name, uh, Childish Gambino. What's his name? He's in Spider Man. 
he's done voiceovers for like Lion King and he's in Star Wars. Yeah, good point. Yeah. 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 Although I guess technically Spider Man's Sony, but Yeah, true. Is he in two Spider Man? Is he just in No, he's just one? in um Well he he's, he's technically vo- plays Miles Morales' uncle, the one who becomes the prowler. Yeah, is he a is he a voice in Spider Verse? He's not, is he? Don't think so, no. Yeah. For some reason I thought he was. And yeah, the only other thing I've watched really, I think I said to you the other day that I watched another round. Or, uh, oh yeah, yeah. It's called. Is it called drunk? Drunk. drunk yeah, yeah. Danish or something like. And it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. I've heard really good things about this. And I can see, I can absolutely see why Thomas Winterberg got that director nom. I think he's probably up there for my own nomination. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it's just an in like, I just haven't seen a film like this before it's it, it's it's a unique voice it, it's it's a unique kind of story um not that there isn't films about like kind of men in a mid-age crisis before but just the way it's structured and the way it works together and the, the, the how depressing it is mixed with the kind of life affirmingness of it is is definitely something unique and i just like mads mickelson is just an amazing actor like is he's seriously one of those examples of when is he bad like, yeah, seriously, like, when yeah. is he bad? Yeah. Um. Even in films, I didn't understand what was going on. Like Valhalla Rising, he's still like he's really good. Like, Wasn't he um, in a Bond film? And he's like he just cried blood. Casino Royale, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. He had blood yeah. tears. He played Le Chiffre or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I saw you watch Police Story as well. I did watch Police Story. I got told off for watching Police Story by Brandon. Well, no, I ha- had to bring this up because Brandon <laughs> chastised you by saying, how dare you give it four stars out of five? It's a five-star worthy film. And I just went on Police Story on Letterboxd just to have a little look. And I saw his review and he gave it four and a half. <laughs> what a bastard. And now you're not going to let him live that down? No, I'm not. I'm not. I've screenshotted it. I'm going to make banners. I'm going to put it on billboards outside of his house. It's, yeah, it's going to go everywhere. I am slowly getting towards to into maybe I underrated that as well, I have to say. But um, it's only because <laughs> the middle of the film gets a little lost. Don't yeah, tell me a little bit. But like the end of that film is stunning, like yeah, absolutely yeah. just stunning, and like it's just Jackie Chan is amazing. There's really. so many of those police story films as well. There's like yeah, there's like six or something. Isn't yeah, there? there's loads. Like, and they go in varying degrees of like seriousness and like and rebootness and things. It's sounds like Godzilla, like. Mm. Which I think is out this week, Monkey vs. Lizard. <laughs> I want King Kong to win because he's my favourite. I want Lizard to win. I want Godzilla Nah, King win. Kong's the original big monster and um, he was stop motion, so he has my vote. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> I, I, bet you, I bet you the end of that film is another monster turns up and they team up to, to beat that. Monster. Well, That's, if you watch it, if you watch the trailer closely enough, you can see shades of Mecha Godzilla in there, and okay. I have a feeling that the Godzilla that you think is Godzilla actually isn't Godzilla. Ah, it's an evil Godzilla. Exactly. I'm talking to Godzilla. I watched Mothra versus Godzilla. Oh yeah, um, and that is film is a load of fun, and I absolutely recommend it. And it's. It's weird as fuck. <laughs> it's like there's a whole thing about an egg 
which I was getting a little lost on. But I think it's Mothra's egg, and uh, Mothra's trying to protect it, and then and stuff happens. I was going to spoil it then, but I won't. It's just and, uh, so crazy how far they devolve into madness from what the first yeah. film is. It's just, it's like... It's like Mothra vs. Godzilla has this whole like thing about these tiny people that worship like Mothra. Like this like civilization of tiny people that worship Mothra and sing <laughs> to Mothra. <laughs> it was a very much a case of me watching this going, what? What's going on? <laughs> what? Like, what? I'm liking it, but it's insane. Yeah, I'm going to check that out because um, James gave me that USB stick with all 500 Godzilla yeah, films on. So, so I'm going to and I keep watching those. Yeah, I'm going to keep I still haven't those. seen the second American one, to be honest. So I need to get no. it and go. I saw the Gareth Edwards one. Yeah, which I honestly didn't really. Didn't make much of an impact on me, if I'm very honest. I watched it, I and then like... I think I forgot it as soon as I watched it. Yeah, honest. and I think it kind of... just went straight out of my head. Have you watched anything, then? Yeah, I watched. Uh, I finally got round to watching Us the other day. Oh, cool. Directed by um, Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele. And I thought it was fantastic. Completely and yeah. utterly bonkers. Yeah, yeah. But brilliant, like like Get Out. I re I thought Get Out was great, and uh, but yeah. it's 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 like everything is quite on the nose in that film. It's like it's it's completely easy to follow. You know what's going on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas us, God knows what the fuck's going on in that film. But I loved everything <laughs> about it. You know, in the middle, it's like becomes a horror comedy, and uh, you know, yeah, sure, yeah. You did get, it it goes a bit more like not psychedelic but a bit more experimental weird kind of and I don't know I just re- I really liked it and um, it brings the scope out as well I I thought it was like going to be a small film as well and I didn't realize how big the film was oh yeah I mean you it, know like... I don't want to like I know it's not a new film but I don't want to spoil anything about it if anyone actually yeah if, if someone's not. <laughs> if someone's not seen it, it's not fair to spoil that out of everything, I think. Like, yeah, but, um, but like uh, Lupita Nyong'o is... Yeah. She's she's just amazing. Yep, and, um, absolutely. And like there's a twist in the film, but I th- I got it pretty much from the first scene. And I, I, think, I don't think it's a film that kind of... I think they know that you know what the twist is. Right. I kind of, right. I felt... Well, I could be wrong. I don't but, remember um, getting it that I don't remember getting it that early myself, but like um this the twist doesn't make the film. It's not No, definitely no, 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 no. I mean it will give you a lot of questions like afterwards you're thinking, well that doesn't that doesn't work, that doesn't make sense. But it's not a film oh, that's sure, about that, I don't yeah. you know what I mean? It's not no, about that. It's not about nitpicking but, um, details. Yeah, but it's just it's really, really it's well social done. commentary, so yeah. No, yeah. it's cool. I, I'm absolutely I like Whatever he does, he's going to be great. It's like one minute you think, "Oh, is this about race?" Then you think, "No, it's not actually about that. It's about this. It's, like, it's about everything." Like, there's so many things like crammed yeah. in there, ideas and stuff. It's it's really well done. Um, he's got one of my favorite favorite quotes when they were interviewing him about that film, and someone was like, "Do you think he'll ever make a a film about a horror film with white people in?" And the guy was, oh, like, "Who the fuck would ask him that?" Oh, God. I can't remember who it was, and the guy was just like, "No, I've seen that film." yes yes absolutely but what i thought about this film was it didn't 
I don't, this, I don't want this to sound bad, but it didn't make a point of going, oh, this is a, a black person's horror film. It was just a horror oh, right, film. Oh, sure. right, yeah, yeah. For me, it just happened to be the cast was mainly black. And do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I thought, and there's definitely commentary in there about that, though. I'm not saying there isn't. Yeah, I, would, I was going to say, like, the, the, the absolutely writing of it is about the fact that it's a, like a black yeah. experience film. But like, but, yeah. on the, it, it kind of, it doesn't throw that, in your like it does it in a very i don't know in a non i don't know what the word of what i'm trying to say it's late people <laughs> it's not <laughs> i don't know it's not a subtle film but it is subtle as well it's i don't know sure it's not I like know. i guess maybe that was more marketing where get out was a big thing that finally like not fine yeah. maybe finally finally whatever i mean ernest dickerson but like but fight like we're getting a story that is a horror film about black people um which is not tended to be something that happens a lot mm-hmm. over the years so and maybe hopefully that's getting normalized maybe yeah, yeah totally. the difference like um well because originally yeah, wanna... you know you'd watch you'd watch scream and they'd be the best friend that dies straight away yeah, or whatever do you exactly, know what I mean? yeah yeah and it's like mm, okay because <laughs> i watched um i watched uh tales of the crypt presents demon night yesterday which is um, <laughs> yeah. Is this a Bobby Z produced? No, no, no. Because well, produced maybe, but it's directed by Ernest Dickerson, Ernest R. Dickerson, who's a one of the you know one of the very few Black American filmmakers who made like you know um, horror films throughout his career and ended up mainly doing TV. But uh, he's done a few films that made like big. I think Juice with Tupac was a big film for him, and he did like Bulletproof um, with Adam Sandler. Oh, I've um, seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he did like Bones, which with a Snoop Dogg as like a vampire. Uh, okay, which I'm not looks amazing. I have not seen it myself, but yeah, he did the Demon Knight, and it's you. You would love it. The practical effects in that is absolutely what you love. Like, and oh, you awesome. want to see in films like the like the kind of squishiness, gooiness, practical effects of it all. Like, is 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 exactly what you love to see, and. Yeah, you would absolutely love Demon Knight, I think. I think it would absolutely work for you. Nice. But it made me think of it because uh, the final girl in it is Jade, Jada Pinkett Smith. So I was watching it going, ah, like, this is the final oh, girl's that's black. cool. Like, and that's like, for this is like 95. And that's like maybe one of the only times that happened, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> before like modern era or something. I don't know. I have no exhaustive knowledge of... Going of to Jada horror, Pinkett Smith, though, I find her a hard actress to get endeared to. I don't know what it is about her, but... She's got a coldness to her that I don't kind of warm to with her. I don't know, I don't know right. how you feel. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I, that might be I, The Matrix that did that. I don't know. That's I true. Know. I only really know her from The Matrix. I know she's in one of the Screams. I can't remember which one. Scream 2. Um, she she dies at the beginning. I don't know. She's a hard one to pin down for me. I've never really like... Mm. She, she, I don't find her very memorable, I guess. That's what I'm saying. You know she's got that's a new true. metal band as well called like... Twisted no. Sister or Wicked Sister. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Now I like a uh, 10 times more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I watched another yeah, film uh, as well, talking about squishy, gooey stuff. I watched uh, a film called Uncle Peckerhead. Okay. And okay. this is like a low-budget kind of, it's like a punk horror film, and it's about a punk band that goes on tour. And um, their driver 
well, basically, they're, they're kind of they've got a va- their, their van gets like repossessed because they've got no money and stuff, and they're about to go on tour. So they're like, "Oh, we need a van," and they find this guy who's got a van, and his name's Uncle Peckerhead, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll take you on. <laughs> I'll take you on your tour." And uh, but the catch is that at midnight every night for thirteen minutes he turns into a zombie. <laughs> okay. okay, and um, it's a very low budget film, and. Um, but I kind of really enjoyed it. It's like it hasn't got very good reviews on like IMDb right, or whatever. Right. But I kind of thought it was quite funny. And like when they're playing music, like on, it felt quite genuine. Like the songs were quite good. And um, right, yeah, you know. And uh, they've got like a rival band that's kind of like an asshole band and stuff like that. And uh, I just kind of enjoyed it. It's got like over the top, like. It's definitely got like a uh, punks versus metalheads. So like the punks are trying to sleep in the van at the end. Because like, if if you've ever been in a band, it's very like my friend Tom, uh, who's been in loads of bands and done tours around Europe and uh, Britain and stuff like that. He recommended it to me because he was like, "This is minus the zombie stuff." Like I, I relate to so much of this stuff. Like asking people to stay, like random people to stay at their houses after shows or right. sleeping in the footwell of a van and stuff like that. <laughs> and um, like they're trying to sleep in the car park, and then this like car pulls up, and these metalheads come out, and they just pull out their boombox with the cassette tapes, and they start like just like moshing the two of them, like throwing beer everywhere. It's like really over the top and silly, but I just found it quite fun. I don't know. <laughs> I saw. I just I was looking it up to see like what people were saying about it, and I like this review. This is a three star review. God, it it's fun, but ultimately unrealistic. No deep. <laughs> No demon would ever hang out with punks and hate metalheads. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it's cool as well. It's like a female-fronted like punk band, like the drummers, a uh, girl, singer's a girl, and they've got a, uh, a male on bass, oh, on guitar or whatever. But it's really cool. I really liked it. Oh. Do you remember, didn't they do a cartoon of um, Tales from the Crypt? Tales of, definitely. I definitely remember Tales of the Crypt weird. cartoon. You know, I've been kind of working my way through them as well, really slowly, like over a few years, like watching them now and again, the HBO <laughs> series. They're very endearing. I do really like them. I think and I've I, only I, ever I, seen one, and one was a vampire that used to, like, he, all I remember is him robbing blood from blood banks and stuff like that. That's all I remember. That sounds like it, that sounds like it could be an episode. Who knows? Who knows? Oh, before, before we get, before we get on to the, um, the, the main topic. Did you watch the Suicide Squad trailer? I did. Absolutely loved the Suicide Squad trailer. I'm so on board, and I squealed when Starro appeared. Like, that was so. yeah, that was amazing. I'm so on board. I'm I'm I watched the trailer a few times to see if there were little Starros. I need little Starros that go on people's faces. I need that to happen because that's like my favorite thing about Starro. But if that if that film could be basically like the Suicide Squad are the only people that aren't controlled by Starro. And like they're like all the kind of super villains are like got stars on their faces. I've seen superheroes. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that's that's a that's something I can get behind. I would love that. But um, the King Shark looks amazing. He's definitely become yes. the Groot of this film, isn't he? Like, and you know that like James Gunn is like just happy that Warner Brothers have let him like off the leash and he can kind of do his yeah. blood and guts and kind of. That's true his... because that's not something he's been able to do with um. Marvel has it really exactly yeah you know he came yeah. from Troma and then doing Troma, like Slither yeah. and uh, Super I love Super did he do one of the Toxie films Toxie no he he no. wrote Tromeo and Juliet oh that's true yeah 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 
Uh, he may have worked on some of them though, because I know he's good friends with um, uh, Uncle Lloyd Kaufman. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure that that those kind of that production company or that that kind of studio are very kind of wild west. You know, it's that indie stuff when everyone's mm. in together and and sharing each stuff. So I, I, bet, I imagine he probably had a hand in some things. We should definitely do a trauma film for one of these one of those. Yeah, we should do a trauma <laughs> film. When did they start? Well, we've been Toxic Crusaders or Toxic Avengers. So what was that like? Eighty one, eighty two, something like that. Eighty four. Was eighty four? It was such it. a weird film. I've watched. I don't uh, think I've seen it. I might have, but I just don't remember it if I have. Like I watched Class of Newcomb High with James a few months ago. Oh uh, yeah, um, yeah. I say a few months ago. I'm talking about a year and a half ago. I haven't seen anyone <laughs> in about a year. Um, is that is that with the great Tom Tom Savino? Is that his name? I think so. Just expect a a, a whole heap of sexism, racism. Like sure. you kind of got to go into these knowing that this is going to happen. No, and I'm not saying yeah, they're yeah, great yeah, films, yeah. but they they're definitely something. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're I don't yeah. Know. They've got a definite love behind them, and like yeah. no one's kind of running after to cancel them because you know, mm. they didn't make it, didn't make any money at the time. Like, yeah. like, like but they're they're definitely a they're definitely a part of kind of like like Hollywood history or like movie history. They're definitely like a, a, a they've got their place, you know, when we talk mm, about yeah, kind yeah. of films. So we should do a trailer. How about for that? And talking of that, like because. We've finished our little mini series. We I know we have. We forgot to do a little fanfare that we finished it. Yeah, we just barreled on into this sleepy record. But um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you know, as we always do when we tie up our mini series, we kind of just do a couple of more kind of hangover films, like a couple of more just hanging on, like to try and tie up maybe a few more that we want to watch and talk about, and and talk about ones that were quite influential and as well is what we try and do. So, um. So this one we got like a a weird one. I think it was you that suggested this. Is there any reason like like this came on your kind of radar or anything? Yeah, I mean I've I've it's a film I've like always known about, but I really didn't know anything about it. I just knew that it was quite like well revered, and mm. um, I was just in CEX, which is a British uh, kind of secondhand video game Blu-ray store. And uh, I hope they're just British. I can't imagine they're international. <laughs> no, I saw they're them basically- on the. Sh- I s- you are. <laughs> it's basically GameStop of Britain, isn't it? Like without the kind of share stuff. And I think I think GameStop is more like Game or EB or whatever we had back in the day or Game oh, Station. So. But anyway, um, I saw it on the shelf and uh, it just was calling to me. So I, so yeah, I bought it and I thought, well, I've got so many Blu-rays that I haven't <laughs> watched. It definitely be a good one to put on the on our film watch, our film yeah. list, so I could kind of tick it off. And I'm. Actually, very glad that I did. Yeah, this is a thing. Because this was up against Rafifi, I think, and Rafifi like went out in our. Was it Rafifi? We... Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, so it was. We were, you know, we we're going to do one in the main series and one not, and I don't, I can't remember why they ended up the way they did. I don't think it, but um, yeah, this is this is a thing. This is um, mm. this is. I'm so glad you brought this this to, this up because it's so unique. I don't think I've ever seen. A film that's quite this unique, really. I know um, there's so many different tones and things going yeah. on, but it all works really, yeah, really well. And it's just, it's such a, it's such like a, it's such a statement film, like in so mm-hmm. many ways about like 
what he wants to do with it and what they're trying to do. They're, they're doing something really specific, you know, like, um, and in it's really nice watching it after we've seen all the other films from the 50s because it doesn't look like any other film we did. It doesn't Not sound like any other film we did. Like it's and the I sound think, is great, isn't it? it sounds I amazing, thought. yeah. Yeah. Like honestly, like it's the mixing of it and the editing is just all about it. The way like his voice haunts the film and like mm. and the background noises and things and that song, you know, that I at the beginning of the stuff, um is is just wonderful. And like most of this I assume was shot on sets, but you know, because of the sound mixing as well, I was fooled a lot of times that this was shot on location. Well, um, yeah, I mean, it was mostly, I think, budgetary. You'd think it'd cost more to build sets than to actually go out and film on those. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, really yeah. understand the logistics of that. But, yeah, apparently most of it was shot on sets and stuff. But I think that's to the film's benefit. Yeah. Yes, because it, it gives like it such a wilderness. Yeah, 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 totally. And that's the thing about this. Like, it's, it's not, it's a film noir, maybe, but it's, mm. um, it's really like a, it's like a it's fairy a tale thriller. film. It's a fairy tale, fairy tale thriller kind of. I yeah, guess. yeah, yeah. Which, um, when I was kind of like doing some reading about this after I'd watched it, um, Guillermo del uh, there, del Toro, um, loves this film. Guillermo del Toro, fan, yeah. Guillermo del Toro absolutely loves this film. Yeah, and um, saw him do an interview about it, and like he um he picked up like a couple of scenes and he picked up the quality of this and just went. I've been trying to recreate like this shot my whole career, kind of thing. Like this, this like fairy tale children aspect of it is what I've been doing throughout all of my career. Which is just like I was like, "Yep, that's definitely what you've been trying to do." You can tell that, though, like at the end of like um, the Shape of Water and the water and how it like yeah, it, you can tell he's trying to evoke that look of when under the water with the the wife in the car yes, and stuff like yeah, that with the kind yeah. of the. Just the hair blowing in the... Not blowing, but floating in the water. That's the one he picked up on. He literally showed that scene and went, oh, I've been trying to recreate this hair floating in the water scene my entire career. Yeah. Like, this is like haunted me, this shot. And that shot is amazing. Like, um, It's fantastic. And I think it's... Like think the, the, the view of when you... The old man, the you know, the uncle or whatever, he's like looking over the water, looking down yeah. on it. Even like, that's my favourite one. Love that. Although I don't think it would ever be that clear, though, the war. <laughs> no, but that's like... But again, that of... goes into that fairy tale kind of... Yeah, like... yeah that otherworldliness of it, that kind of weird fairy tale-ness, that absolutely works with the way they shoot this. And like, there's so much in it about um, like German expressionism. Expressionism? <laughs> yeah, I've got that written in my notes, yeah. Uh, which I think he was, he was admittedly trying to evoke that um, purposefully, it's not accidentally. Um, and mixing that with kind of, you know, German fairy tales and stuff like that, like, it really does add to that kind of weirdness about it. And uh, I just, I, I don't know, watching it, I was like, I can't believe they, I can't believe this wasn't a movement. I can't believe more people didn't shoot in, like, a modern expressionist style or something. You know, well, like... I mean, like, I think from the first screenings, like, the... The studio just said it's too arty, and I just don't think right. they kind of got it, and they probably didn't back it like they probably should have done. Do you know what I mean? So it probably just kind of got lost because, yeah, you know, because it was a complete flop. <laughs> it was a complete flop at the time. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't make any impact whatsoever. Well, I mean, um, 
So much so that Charles Lawton didn't direct again afterwards because he thought, oh, my bad. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I think it took him seven years or something to try and get another film off the ground and he never ended up doing it. And I think he died in the 60s. Um, uh, which is sad because I can't imagine what else he might have done. This is such an exciting film. Like, I know. And all the kind of, you know, I was reading that like Robert Altman of all people is another person who was like inspired by this and was trying to echo this in loads of films he made like the Cahiers de Cinema like elected it as the second best film of all time in like 2008 or something like that's yeah yeah, yeah. you know and it's 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 kind of influence and it's it's it goes like beyond that even like Robert Mitchum's character the of Harry like the love and hate tattoos that I didn't know that was from this I can't believe that's from something I can't believe that's saying in my like that I just know so like easily oh, in like. So Simpsons that didn't exist references. before that. No, apparently not. Apparently, this is like so that never. It, ex- oh shit! Which is insane. And maybe it must have existed in just like maybe like prison tattoos or something. I don't know. Um, but as far as I can tell, this is it. This is the first like instance of it, and um, almost every reference to love and hate on for someone's hands is from this, and they have that. Wonderful scene where Robert Mitchum well, when he's explaining it as well. I, in my head, I like to think that you know, like how in The Dark Knight, when Heath Ledger's Joke is like telling his story about his scars. <clears throat> yes, I like the yeah. idea that every time he'd probably tell that, it's different. <laughs> yeah, Do you know what I mean? Because I think you only yeah. see it the once. He only tells it the once properly. He he goes into telling it the next time, but I don't think you ever see it. Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he has a proper sermon about it, like in this hand beats. You know, this is the hand that beat Cain and. And this is love, and old lefty and righty, and lefty's coming over to beat righty. I was just like, this is captivating. This mm. is absolutely captivating. Like, what a performance by Robert Mitchum. Who but you we could would see why people would be won over by him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like he enticed by him. He's got that charisma and that kind of um, an allure. Really, he's um interesting character as well i couldn't help watching this and thinking like i think he's supernatural i don't think he's a human i think he's oh he's demon. like the terminator like, he doesn't sleep he just kind of like yeah. constantly on the move trying to get these kids <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah if there was a scene in this of him walking at the bottom of the river chasing the chasing them i'd be like yeah that makes sense <laughs> like, like, yeah i was board. half expecting him to walk out into the water when, yeah. when the kids go off on the boat when he's chasing them yeah uh, and Maybe I mean I don't know if they. Um, I, I'm sure it must be purposeful. I can only think it's purposeful that basically you can read this as him being the devil or him being a demon. Mm. You know his relationship with God is very personal in the way that he seems to think God definitely exists. Well, maybe he knows that because he's like the devil. You know, like I think I know that he's he's based from a real serial killer, um, but I'm pretty sure old Harry is. A nickname for the devil. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's an old English nickname for the devil. Let's have a look. So, so him being called like Harry Powell um links to that. But the way that he's Yeah, you you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah. So I was watching going, I think is he meant to be the devil? Am I just reading that into it or but the way well, like it's... I got I got convinced by that in the way that he kind of becomes more animalistic as the film goes on. Like and more like more kind of unhinged and and almost silly, like laughable. Do you know what I mean? Like, like when he's kind of squawking and jumping about the place and stuff. 
But when he gets shot, the noise he makes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and runs off to the barn and things. It's really weird. It's like he's losing, like, all his composure as a human or something. Yeah, like the facade's coming off and um, not that yeah. he had, I don't know, kind of... Like the yeah. sheen's come off. He, he can't yeah, do exactly, this yeah. cool combat anymore. He's just letting all this kind of drop away and he's just like this weird monster below it. We haven't introduced a thing. We've just nope. gotten into this, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, to 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 uh, give a pause, we're we're doing the 1955 film "The Night of the Hunter," directed by Charles Lawton. and suspense, the heart-pounding warmth of the best-selling novel that gripped millions. Superb, unforgettable performances by an extraordinary array of talent. Figured I was gone, huh? Run. Hide in the staircase. Run quick! Ruby, shit! What do you want? I want them kids. I'm giving you to the count of three to get out of here. Then I'm coming across the kitchen shooting you. The combined powers of Paul Gregory and Charles Lawton brought the King Mutiny Court Martial to Broadway. Now the screen receives that same creative, electrifying impact. The Night of the Hunter. So, like, the the kind of plot of the film is it's actually quite a complicated plot i think even though it's it's not a very plotty film but it's quite a complicated setup i think and um, yeah there's a lot in the at the beginning it's quite a, there's a lot yeah at the beginning and then it kind of when i i when watching that i just had no idea where this film was going do you know like just <laughs> no clue um i didn't know any of this i didn't know it at all but like it was set in like depression era west virginia and um it's an um this con man who who kind of he seems to be or a serial killer i think he really is he seems to kind of marry these rich women and kill them for their money seems to be the setup for him uh he's just like after after a recent murder he's he's driving into a new place and he ends up getting arrested for having um, a stolen car is it for stolen cars? About to say, I, I think so. Yeah. He got arrested, and uh, he gets locked up with another guy who'd recently robbed a bank, and we see him robbing the bank. Well, we didn't see him robbing the bank, but we see him at the at giving the hiding the money with his. Yeah, kids so he he basically comes arrested. back home after the heist. He's I think he's killed yeah. two people, but he's stolen ten thousand yeah. pounds dollars from a bank, and then hides it upon one of the children, one of his two children, and then. In front of the children, the police like arrest him, and it's you know yeah. quite a harrowing. Scene and he swears, them. he swears the oldest son, played by Billy Chapman, John, to like secrecy, and you, you can never tell anyone about the money, yeah, at all. 
and it's hidden in the doll of like the the young girl uh pearl yeah we don't uh, know that for a while though i think that's kind of hidden from for a while even in the film isn't it from from us oh is it i, I remember it being straight off but you could be right i'm pretty sure i, I, I could announce, have, I, I lost I, I, I was gonna I was going to say this. I for- I lost my notes that I made during this film, so I am running absolutely <laughs> with no the best. The best bit we've missed, though, is like the way that um, Harry drives the car. Yes, I was going to say, yeah. He, he just is, grabs the little the, weird little thing. Yeah, instead of holding the ring around the sides, he's holding the middle bit. <laughs> no, one's ever, no one's ever driven a car like that, ever. No. It looks so weird. And it, yeah, because he's, he's going along, just driving, grabbing the weird little sticks in the middle of the steering wheel, yelling at God, basically. He's having a little chat to God, isn't he? Um, and uh, yeah, so he's like, he's like he, he poses a preacher. He meets this guy in jail and learns about this £10,000. Um, the bank robber ends up getting put to death. And Harry, the preacher guy, gets out of jail later on. And he decides to go get the money that he learned about in in jail. In jail. That's that's the setup. Yeah, that weirdly yeah. enough is the setup, and that's a big part of the opening of the film. But that's really just the start of the film. Yeah, that's 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 like literally the first fifteen minutes, probably. I mean, it's quite yeah. a brisk film. It's only like ninety minutes long. It moves along at a clip. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. You know, it's it's quite a fast-paced Absolutely. film, I think. Um. And uh, so, like, even though, yes, yeah, so no one, no one knows where the money is apart from the son. Like, the mom doesn't know. The mom, played by Shelley Winters, she has no idea where the money. She doesn't is even well. know if it exists, really. Or she kind of, yeah, she's, she doubts it's even a thing. And I think yeah. later on, when it's brought up that it's in the river, she's like, "Well, okay, I know where it is now, and I can just forget about it now." Or... Yes. Yeah. 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 Um. She's kind of like almost hounded by it. So, yeah. um, and her being a widow, then Harry comes into town to woo her. He does does what he does, you know, like. And um, it quite successfully kind of woos her, doesn't it, if I remember right? Very quickly. It's like takes two yeah. scenes pretty much. <laughs> Cause she's but no, he, he, he does it by kind of seducing her friends first, though. And kind of getting her friends to kind of, you know, because does she work in like the, the the shop or is it a bakery or whatever? Or, yeah, whatever or that just... shop is that's run by like, is it Mr. or Mrs. Spoon or something? <laughs> I don't know. They keep calling each other Mater and Pater, or I don't know, or Mother and Father. I don't know. It's weird. But, um... Yeah, I think they were like an ice cream bar or a milkshake yeah, bar like that, or something. Yeah. yeah. Um... But like, so she's basically like saying, you know, you should get with him, you know, you're getting older. You know. You're getting older, yeah. You're like thirty or something, and uh, <laughs> and this is a lovely man of the god, man of the cloth, and you should get get with him. And look, he's lovely, and he that's when he's doing his whole like, you know, the story of lefty and righty, and and it really captivating everyone, and with his with his. Ways. I, I don't think that would captivate me, to be honest. No, I, I think it's really terrifying. Would be over. <laughs> But yeah, the rest of the film is just this kind of the plot's like hinging on this pursuit of the money, really, and and really the elder son's desperation and determination to protect the money and his sister, really. Yeah, 
And um And you know, his dad the promise he made to his dad. And the promise he made to his dad. Which I couldn't stop thinking about the whole film is just like, but what is the end game when his dad's already dead? Like, <laughs> yeah. like I mean, how about how harsh were those kids as well? They're all like lining up outside their house or whatever. And then they're like they draw the hangman. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're doing. Yeah, they're drawing the hangman and like Pearl singing along to the hit this the, the kind of song about her dad being hung. Yeah, that's a fucking creepy. Seeing that is actually all this film is so creepy, and like everything we say is like it's it's shot on these less isolated sets with so much control over the lighting. We should shout him out because it's it's cinematography is Stanley Cortez who who was a cinematographer. I think he's worked with. The, our friend um, Orson Welles, isn't he? He did. Yeah, he did Magnificent Ambersons, which. It's just this again, this kind of like um, deep control of of shadow and texture in the film, which is definitely what like Lawton wanted. And yeah, because they tried to make it. The, the studio wants it in color, and he's like, "No, no, I want this." this yeah, has I'm, to I'm be re- black yeah. And, white. and he he's his big thing is that he wanted it to look like a silent film. He was obsessed with like the the big kind of epic silent films that happened in the that kind of era. This and, uh, film, if you had the volume off on this film, you could follow everything that happens in it. Yeah, I think. you could. You, know I mean? you yeah, could yeah, get yeah. everything out of it. Absolutely. But you don't want to do that because the sound is great. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all about the sound, yeah. But um, I think I think there's a great there's a great line that he says that I got ri- I had written down somewhere. But I think it's about when he was casting, and we'll talk about it later, but it's when, he, when he's casting the lady at the end of the film. And uh, uh, Lillian Gish, the Mother Goose kind of character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like Lillian Gish, is she was called like the first lady of American cinema. Like she's she's like the first movie star, like female movie star of the silent era. We're talking like she was making films in like nineteen oh two. You know, like um, Anna, when she got cast as this character at the end of the film, it it's she's shot and she's cast with like revenants. Of like this protector coming in, this old like statesperson coming in, kind of thing. Which is something we've talked about in quite a few. Films was she at the beginning, very beginning? Yes. And it's just yeah, kind she of like matted yeah. with the stars behind her, and then the young children are kind of like, yes, like yeah. watching or listening to her. And as you say, she's like this mother goose or like protector character. The whole thing. I think she's amazing in this film. Like if oh, if, fantastic. Like, I, I was blown away by her performance. I, I was like, please tell me she won Oscars for this, which I like, you know, no one won anything for this. When she came but, um, out with that giant shotgun. Oh God, it's so <laughs> I good. I was howling. I know. I was just like, she, I was just like, she is a badass. But she I looked badass yet. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, you know how I do my like little drawings of like film characters, like with a white yeah. background. Just, I want to do one of her just with this massive shotgun. Massive shotgun, yeah. No, no fear. That scene when he's sitting in the yard singing and she's sitting in a rocking chair inside, and then starts like, singing and starts with singing him. along as well. It's, it's such haunting. an amazing scene. Oh, God, it's amazing. And like the lighting, just of the that image as well. of him sitting on that like tree stump or whatever it is. Yes, it's just just it's... in pure black. Yeah. yeah, it's the blacks in this that I can't get behind. Like not me and can't get behind. It's hard to describe without mm. seeing it they're absolutely just like shadow blacks like it's puppet shadow well, theater well his his suit is that black that it's just kind of like encompassing it like it like swallows in the light do you know what i mean it's yeah kind of, yeah he's just like he's that kind of like ain't like the the mother like he kind of completely corrupts her and kind of yeah yeah you know 
turns into this like I don't know, like evangelical kind of like yeah. uh, God fearing like woman. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. It's um, it's so good. I and love like that... I love how they do the wides of those sets where they kind of yeah. black out the sides, so it's kind of like framed, like you know that you can definitely tell it's not a location because of the way they can shoot these kind of wides, and they do it in the bedroom where it kind of goes into a point. Yes, and then yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and he's like looking up at the light, like in he's the, looking up the at the window, skylight. Yeah, skylight. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then and the cellar just, as well. That's like a Nosferatu kind of shot, like. And then, and then you've kind of got the stuff like when the kids like pull up on the boat because the kids escape later on in the film. Yeah, um, they pull up at this like farm, but I, I think it's literally just a wood, flat wooden structure that's like, yeah, put in a perspective because it's literally just black and it's just almost like just painted black. It's and, almost like know, it's just the it's front like Dr. Caligari's, you know, the yeah, kind yeah, of like it that is. kind of like it gives such it, like because the end of the film it's a Christmas film because the end of the film is set around Christmas <laughs> oh, with the snow globe. <laughs> I'm going to watch this looks, every Christmas now. I am. This is this is definitely a Christmas film. Um, if it Die Hard's of, a Christmas film, this is yeah. This finishes with a Christmas message, like it does. Uh, the little ones abide, which. I tell you what, if, if someone that's where the dude abides comes from in Coen Brothers comes if, from. <laughs> if someone gave me a present of my own apple in my own doily, <laughs> I'd be very upset. <laughs> With a peg thanks. on it. What's the peg doing? <laughs> I don't know. It's the depression, ah. Ollie. They actually struggled. That's true. They can't just Thought go out to Toys R Us. That's true. But yeah, what was I saying before I get distracted? Oh yeah, the um, the the snow scene at the end with like the isolated farmhouse. It looks like a snow globe because of the way it's just like, oh yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, as you say, it's so constricted with the blacks on the side. It looks like a Tim Burtony kind of like, you know, just set like trapped in something. Tim Burton's a, yeah, Tim Burtony actually yeah. It, it looks like kind that kind of like isolatedness. Hundred percent, yeah. yeah. I just can't. I, I was just. I couldn't believe I was watching this for the 1955 film. I couldn't like. I was. That was just. It's just. Especially a guy who made one film. Well, like when the just, kids are going. It. When the kids are like going across the, uh, you know, the the river. Yeah. And it's kind of got the overlaid images of like the the bank where you see like the animals. Like so, it's yeah, kind of like frogs and. But they're all like. It's either predator and prey. So you kind of got like the spider right. and the spider web. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Fox, and then you've kind of got the like the turtle. Uh, you know what I mean? And like later on, you've kind of got. I mean, it's a bit more spelled out that one where you've got the owl that kind of yeah attacks the yeah uh, the bunny rabbit. yeah yeah. But, it's um, just. But I love that look, like because it's because obviously if you were shooting that normally, the the images in the foreground would be out of focus unless you like using one of those split diopters or whatever. Sure. But, um but it's like it's definitely an effect, but it just it gives it that, as you say, that that otherworldly fairy tale feel to it. And that like, just come on. I couldn't help like the bit where they're on when they're on the boat. It reminded me of a music video I made with Natalie called um, huh? for a band called Berry Tomorrow, where I had Natalie in a boat and I put all like uh, like I filmed water elements and stuff like that, and then took pictures and comped it all together to make this kind of surreal my idea was to make it look like the um 
not Paradise Lost. One of those. What's the other one? The guided. What's it called? Dante's Inferno. Like those. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Things. But if you look at it, I've never. I obviously had never seen this film before. But if you look at what I shot, you'd have thought that's what I would have based it, this think. film. Yeah. <laughs> No way. Obviously, it's nowhere near as good as this film. My idea, but, like, <laughs> but you know, it's that like we keep going back to it. It's, it's just that sense of that sense of fakeness in this. It helps it. It doesn't need to feel real. The the, the sense of like fairy taleness, otherworldliness, fancy elements, like ha- help this film work. It makes everything feel realer in a weird way, mm, which yeah, is like no, definitely. And it's the use of like we, you talk about. You've talked about this a lot about um, um, diactic sound. Mm-hmm. Um, this diagetic has like or non-diagetic. Diagetic, thank you. Yeah, diagetic sound. Uh, this has like like diagetic light. If that makes sense. Oh like, yeah, definitely. Like the use of the key light, like illuminating stuff, is not based upon any reality of the scene. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's Does... there, there's lights like like when um when like Shelley Winters is lying on the bed there's a light around her face the scene we talk about when uh when Gish, uh, Lillian Gish is like in the rocking chair with the gun the key light is is like shadowing her like she's Whistler's mother with a gun um does but it, that light's does... not coming from anywhere it's literally just lit for the scene and... yeah there's another one where I think one of the characters I've forgotten who it is now but the the it almost it's like reflection of water bouncing back on them so it's yeah. kind of got that ripple effect on their face yeah. and stuff like that and I, I just I kept on noticing that how it was like it was unrealistic lighting um and it's not in a bad way you know like it wasn't no, distracting no, no, totally. it was absolutely aiming for it and that scene with the, the gun that we keep talking about the tension of when the elder girl Rose, I think it is, comes in with the candle, changes the lighting of the scene, hides him in the background because he can no longer see outside because it's now lit up inside too much, and he moves, and you actually can see him move in that in in the background. Mm. I just was like, this is wonderful. This is some of the best thing that's ever been shot, and I, I was just. Yeah, I was just transfixed. I was just transfixed by this whole thing. I just couldn't. I wanted to know what was going next, and and um, I couldn't believe. I couldn't believe, like, like the more. We should say, like, he eventually he marries the widow and kind of traps her, kind of gets her obsessed with like religion, and she's and and stuff like that. Starts like beating her and stuff like that, and eventually kills her. I think he slits her throat, and then, and then runs the car off into a river um, of Shelley Winter's character. And when, like, that's the scene when underwater where, like, you've got a fishing rod coming in and her, and her hair is, like, blowing into the um into the water with, like, seaweed and stuff like that. It's a haunting shot. Yeah. And, um, which is apparently done by a mannequin with a Shelley Winter's mask on. Oh, really? Was it it the, looks quite, I thought it was, was the way quite, they achieved that. Quite realistic. Yeah, I had I wouldn't have guessed that in the slightest. Uh, once that happens, the film kind of devolves in the fact that it's just the kids versus Harry then, and it and they basically choose to escape, and it's almost like kind of Gretel and Hansel and Gretel kind of escaping into the forest. Yeah, kind of yeah, it is, isn't it? And uh, they're just they just jump onto a boat to try and get away from him to go down like the bayou or wherever they are. I don't know, like go down the rivers. Um, 
and that's the point of this shift in the film where it be, like it gets more and more kind of surreal in its in its shooting and well, yeah because that's where you see the the, the animals on the, the river bank and yeah like, said, like you're like saying the, the yeah. farm later on and stuff like that and you see the kind of a shot that i'd seen before but i didn't know it was from this but um, the elder kid's like sitting in like a train cart or he's sitting somewhere he's looking into the distance and in the distance silhouetted is him on a horse uh, oh is that when he's no he's in the he's in the barn isn't he he's in the barn yeah okay yeah on the horizon yeah so good all practical effects and it was done by hiring like a little person and like a pony a miniature horse. really that was shot yeah yeah no way. so like so the perspective was all different but they can get him on it and make it look it's just it's just amazing. And um like that moment of like the kid just going, Does this guy ever sleep? Is that like the moment of him just becoming this supernatural kind of evil that's chasing them, like you say, like a Terminator. I mean like you, um, we we do see one scene where he's in bed and it's on these like his I guess his honeymoon or his wedding night. Yeah, and, sure. Uh, and so his new wife, you know, she wants to you know, she wants a bit of fun. As you would. And uh <laughs> He he's obviously he's got serious issues with women. And, yes, uh, you know he he tells us to look in the mirror, and he says, "What do you see? Do you you know look at yourself? What do yeah. you see?" And he goes, "Do you see yourself wanting any more children?" And she's like, "No." And he's like, "Well, then that's an end to that. Then we're never going to have sex, yeah. basically." Yeah. And then she then yeah. talks to God and says, "You know, help me. You know, find the not yeah. the light, whatever, like, kind of help me." He convinces her that level. she's a sinner. Like, it's proper yeah. kind of, like, gaslighting almost, isn't it? Like, Oh, yeah. Like, the next scene you see her and she's, like, you know, she's preaching, isn't she? Yeah. That stuff, like... Because his characterization is so... is so interesting for the 50s. And I can't get into this too much, but there's a podcast I listen to where talk about this quite a lot. But the idea of, like, almost the idea of a paedophile an idea of like a child abuser didn't exist in a kind of same way it does now in the 50s like it's not that it was inventive obviously it happened but there was a general idea that like someone abusing a child wasn't a thing no you'd have child killers wouldn't you but you wouldn't have yeah 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 and like the idea of like that happening in a family environment that definitely wasn't a thing this this like it's it's much later than we and that's like when strange danger starts coming in like the 80s and stuff like that when the idea of like what we think of like as child abuse now kind Mm. of solidifies in our society again not to say it didn't happen but like the 50s this character embodies all of that like he's a child predator he's he played as like pedophilic he is um the way like there's a scene where he's bouncing the young girl pearl on his knee and he's the way she comes to him and stuff like that yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's just creepy, isn't it? Yeah. Later on, um, when we're with the Lillian Gish character, uh, she's got like an army lady of like orphan children she looks after. Like they're all washed um, up on the, the banks. Yeah, they, the uh, yeah, they wash up on the river, and she looks after them with a shotgun. They've got they, another um, one. <laughs> there's the eldest one, Rose, who's only like thirteen-ish or something like that. He appro- like he approaches her. Harry approaches her does, in like yeah, the yeah. ice cream shop and that scene is like full of that predatory kind of not sexual tension but that predatory kind of attention which i was just i i i was just i couldn't i couldn't believe that 
context was in this film and it's it's not me adding to it later this is in it like no, it's, it's, yeah, he does yeah. all this he does these weird like curls and flicks of his knife and stuff like that that are, like broadly kind of you know phallic, phallic isn't of, it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like he does he it when gets, he's watching like the girly show at the beginning. Yes, like you know, there's a dancer. Yeah, and, like he, he gets like then. angry at it though. Like he gets angry at it rather than kind of sexually well, he's, like aroused by it. It's well, it's, I think it's a bit of both, really. Like he, he's obviously angry himself. For probably he probably you know why else would he be there? I don't know. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, weird, it's, and it it embodies all this weird like weird weird like evilness of sexual tension or pedophilic predatory or stuff it's all in it and i was like i mean i'm surprised it got past the the, senses senses but i'm not because as i say i don't think it was a thing that was entirely like understood by the senses when they're watching it i don't think it would be entirely on people's minds in the same way like we watch it and go they probably thought he's a bad man who wants ten thousand dollars yeah basically and i think that's missing that nuance of it and stuff like that and watching it as just a weird kind of art thing is is completely missing the point of what it's doing and as it descends into this more fantasy fairy tale world that's you know what i got from it was that proper like evil that devil that like creature from it i wouldn't be you know it, as i say if the film ends with with his skin tearing off and he becomes a demon i'll be like yeah yeah that's totally what the film was doing <laughs> like it would have fitted for me totally and um god what a film <laughs> like what every elements of this is so just interesting the the love and hate stuff on these knuckles and things and everything's dreamlike and the music we should say about the music as well like it was composed by um um it was composed by walter schumann who's the who who's most famous for composing dragnet theme <laughs> it's a good theme though that is <laughs> it's a great theme but like the fact that like and also, like, the writer that they brought on as well, because this is based on a book. It's based on a real serial killer called, um, I think he was called Harry Powell. Powers, sorry, he was called Harry Powers. He was hanged in 1932 for the murder of two widows and and her, and her their kids. Um, and a book was written about it called Night of the Killer. And the, no, I think it was called Night of the book. Hunter, wasn't it? Sorry, Night of the Hunter. I'm, I'm sorry, yeah. Um, and uh, he then adapted the book for the screen. And I think like when he took on when like Charles Lutton took on like a, a writing writing partner for this, he took on James Agee, and James Agee was known for doing these kind of like southern kind of dramas southern, and stuff like that. Southern, southern gothic. Well, it's definitely uses yeah. like a southern gothic kind of. Yeah, I was gonna say, and that's what like at the time when they were doing this, southern gothic wasn't a term. Like, yeah, like yeah. so, like they were doing what we come to know as southern gothic before it was like really existed. And I think that those few choices—the choice of the music, the choice of James Agee, the choice of like the cinematographer Walter, um, sorry Stanley Cortez—those are like specific choices he's making to make this. These are not like studio things getting thrown at him. He's not picking up any writer that can help him do this. He's picking up these really specific talents to make something specific that he wants to do. And I think that's just what I found so like really like endearing about it that none of this was like it's not accidental he was this absolutely planned in the same way like you know gdt and del toro does you know to make this kind of stuff and um it also almost feels a bit of coen brothers ish as well absolutely. i feel like i could see the coens doing like you know the character of this guy looks feels a bit like that sugar character do you know what i mean that kind of like 
just that pure evil kind of that just in like old country yeah i would say true grit as well is almost like it's not a remake of this but true grit has so much of this in it oh yeah 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 because it has more of this in it than it does like the original true grit i'd say yeah yeah <laughs> and yeah like um and i would like interesting i mean it's worth noting that like robert mitchum the guy who plays harry he was he was known for playing his hero roles. He played cop roles and stuff like that. He was he never really played villains before. And um, when like he was trying to cast this role, he went to like Gary Cooper and he went to John Carradine and stuff. And uh, I think Laurence Olivier as well was another person he went to. And apparently, like um, Robert Mitchum was really keen to play his character. He like he kind of knew it in his head. He knew what he could do with it and stuff. And apparently, when um. Lalton was talking to him about the character. He said that he's a diabolical shit, and Mitchum just went, "Yep, present. Like I can do that." Like, <laughs> and that's kind of what sold him on it. And when they were talking about the weirdness of that, he has like a sexual element to the kind of character. Um, and there was a lot of concerns about p- portraying a preacher as sexy. Basically, like, would that offend the church? Really? And um, apparently, Lalton, Charles Lawton, uh. He was just like, well, if you need to sell God to someone, you got to, you got to be sexy to sell. Yeah, you got to be, a, yeah, totally. And you got to be appealing to it. And I think he gets that. And I think the other thing to say about like uh, Charles Lawton as well is that he was bisexual and quite knowingly bisexual. If that makes sense. Okay. Like he, like he would. No, I wouldn't say he was like uh, the terms l- lose me, but he wasn't like out as a bisexual person. Yeah, yeah. Like, but he was openly in the, that way. And I and he thought about like he had trouble with his sexuality like I think anyone in the fifties did, but and he talked about that a lot and wrote about it a lot and 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 put that stuff into like his performances and and like, if he had written more stuff his work and the stuff that he's talked about in making this as well he was put that he put the anger into this about the church like he blamed the church a lot for his like um for having that repression in him and mm-hmm. for hating himself because of that he blamed it on the church and the really strictness of the church and so like this um preacher character is is actually an elements of all that anger that he had towards the church coming out in this character and trying and portraying this kind of preacher elements as predatory and as like negative which quite 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 startling really i think is a product of that when you talk about kind of you know, auteurs and what auteurs bring to a film. I think that's, this is that, you know. This oh, yeah, is he nailed on his like, first attempt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another thing is, um, when I say that this being like a really kind of um, uh, exact role, exact film, is the casting of um, Lillian Gish as well. I would say like she was one of the um, stars of silent film. But more importantly, like she was a star of like... Um, she was a star of like uh, uh, D.W. Griffith films, and like I don't know if we'll cover D.W. Griffith on the podcast. Right. I think I'd rather not, because he's an incredibly complicated man. But if there's one person that you talk about in silent movie era making like uh, these huge, huge, huge epic films, like bigger than anyone was ever making, it's him. Like he made these huge, massive epics with huge sets huge amount of characters in a way that no one was really shooting at the time um most famously is uh way down east is and and also like um the birth of nation 
which we know now nowadays. We now know it nowadays. That's not a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> nowadays we know that film because it was the birth, the rebirth of the Ku Klux Klan, and that's what oh, this great, film okay. started. And it's like a retelling of the American kind of myth of its origins through the eyes of the Ku Klux Klan and pretending they were really important to the origins of the country. It's full of incredible racism and it's full of incredible blackface and stuff like that. Like, And all the kind of horrible elements of all that is in this film. And it was such a... It was a massive film. Like, I think in some ways its popularity has been overstated over the years. But in terms of a film from like 1916... It was the biggest film of the, of the decade, really, by far. <clears throat> and and we're talking a huge, huge like film. We're talking it played for years in cinemas. We're talking people went out to it multiple times. We're talking that it really settled into the concept, like people's brains of like films. Um, Lillian G- Lillian Gish, she is like the face of D.W. Griffith's films. Like she <clears throat> oh, okay, did tons of them. So like when he was casting this film and tried to decide of like someone to put in. It was her that he kept on going back to over and over again, uh, ba- basically, and and wanting her to bring her in, to have her at the end of this film as this kind of protector element of bringing that back into it. Like, and um, a great quote that I love when he was trying to talk her into this. He goes, um, like, she was like, why, like, like, why me? Like, why, why do you want me to come back and do like a talking, you know, like I haven't acted in years. And, and he was like, and he said, like, when I first went to the movies, they sat in their seats straight and they leaned forward, but now they slump down with their heads back and they eat candy and popcorn. And I really want them to sit up straight again. <laughs> and but he said that to her, and she was like, "Okay, I'm on board. Like, okay, I'll do this kind of thing." And I think, I think that that, that little line is so much about this film and so much about them when watching it. Like, you can see that he was absolutely trying to get your attention at every point and get you to kind of be just transfixed by what's happening on screen i think it worked <laughs> yeah <laughs> i need to take a drink so you i was gonna it. say billy chapin who plays the son john i i feel like i've seen him in something but i haven't but oh, i right. think he just kind of apes a lot of child actors of that time but he was good though he was very good i would have said the same thing that he's in stuff i've seen like I've, i would have I said feel yeah like i've seen but i don't know if he's just got that kind of leave it to be the kind yeah of, kind of i don't know no i think he's really good actually i think Have... and i think his performance is actually a lot of ways what helps the film work i think he's yeah. quite naturalistic and quite and you and you feel his acting really not feel his acting you know what i mean like you get you're not put off by the child acting of it all no definitely definitely not um you know he's in scenes where you know he kind of holds his own for sure yeah um there's a there's a great scene where he comes back to find his sister. Like, cause obviously we said they hide the money in the her her like her doll. She's cutting out like people out of hundred dollar bill notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know he panics and they start like shoving it back into the the doll. And then behind them, silhouetted, you see he comes. You know Harry comes out like saying, "You know you've got to come in now." And he's like, "What are you doing?" And they're like scrambling to put it in. And I thought I thought that those uh, cut out. Hundred dollar bills would have come back because you see them blowing. You see them blowing. So well timed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I thought he would have found them or something. I thought that would have been something he'd have used against them or something. But um, I did think that. Yeah, I guess it's because at that point he still doesn't realize it's in the doll, and it's much later on when he finds out that's actually happening. Yeah, 
I say like between the two child actors as well, there is I I thought Sally Jane Bruce's Pearl was a, not as good as Billy. No, but she was very young. <laughs> She's very young and uh, yeah, very big forehead. Um, but apparently uh, Charles, apparently on set, Charles, her, him, her, sorry, her and Charles laughed and didn't get on, and I don't and know little why. Little girl didn't get on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, apparently this is the documentary I didn't watch, but he shot this like a silent film, so he just shot the camera running all the time. He didn't cut all the time. He just left it rolling. So yeah, I was saying that basically it's kind of a lot like how modern films are made now, where they'll just keep the camera running. Oh, because film isn't a thing anymore. Yeah. But, but but silent films used to do it because you could actually just shout over the top and tell them what to do as they're doing exactly. it. Whereas you, yeah, yeah. whereas sync sound became a thing, you couldn't do that. You know, I guess it's partially like a budgetary thing as well. Like you know, every time you have to stop and start on a set, that's you know causes time, and you know time is money. You know, like every time you stop, the makeup artists or the set dressers kind of get on set, the cinematographers, and they kind of really slow the process down. So if you're keeping the cameras running all the time then you know you're speeding up the process so yeah you had to you wanted to cut and then give instruction and then keep it rolling again yeah so yeah. not to waste like actual physical film i didn't think of it like that way there's so much about filmmaking that's physical which is so oh, much yeah. fun i think like and and so much of the stuff they do around films is because of the kind of physical limitations of actually doing it but yeah like um but what i was saying like so apparently a lot of her performance in this film is not her acting in the scene. Apparently a lot of it is her reactions to Charles because she didn't <laughs> like Charles. And so anytime Charles would like give instruction after the film or talk She's to scowling. her, she would scowl based it. Yeah, not like him kind of thing. Like and just naturally act because she's a kid. And uh, apparently a lot of those reaction shots and a lot of the stuff with her is is actually just her reacting but to Charles. Maybe that was his intention. Could be Loughton's intention. Maybe. Like, yeah. You know, like how, like, obviously we know that Spielberg, how he works with children, how good he is at getting performance out of children. Maybe his, the way he got a kid to be either afraid or kind of look at, yeah. upset with the character was just to be pre, just to be a bit of a shit to them. I don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> I think it's interesting and it I mean I guess it worked. I guess it worked. Like um I mean like have we got have we gone through the plot with this? Like I I guess I interrupted a little bit, but like after kind of after Powell murders like like Wilma, like Shelley Winters, then Yeah, then he says that she's run away of... basically. And so everyone believes yeah, that she's that's just right, abandoned yeah. him with the kids and they kind of turn on her and then then the the older man who I think they say he's the uncle. I don't know if he's a real uncle, but if it's just like his, yeah, term, it kind of lives. He lives in like on a boathouse. Uncle, and he goes Birdie. fishing with the with the young boy and stuff. He yeah. kind of finds the, the the dead body in the water, but I don't think he That's says fine. anything to anyone. No, I don't think so either. Yeah, because he says that they'll blame me if they find out or something. But they know that so, the wife's dead. They know she's dead though, so I don't know. I was a bit confused with that. Yeah, I was a bit confused by that, actually. There were a couple little things in this, though. I was just like, I'm not totally sure. But I'll just let, let it go, kind of think. Yeah. But this when that's when, like, that's when Powell basically now learns about where the money's hidden, I think. Because he basically keeps nudging both the girl and and the boy 
to kind of slowly start no, revealing. Not, and no, he basically they're in the house, and he said, "Oh, it's it's buried in the cellar under a rock." Because they because once he's died, they try and hide from him in the coal cellar and stuff. And um, oh, that's out. that really weird shot when it zooms like Looney Tunes into them. Yeah, the <laughs> they're poking out and they've got little grubby yeah. faces. Yeah, yeah. But no, they say it's it's buried under a rock or something in the cellar, and he like says it's just pure cement here. And then they manage to like get one over, and they like knock a shelf on his head, and then they lock him in the room and stuff like that, and they that's get out, right. and that's how they escape. But it's not oh. until <clears throat> it's not until that he comes to he finds them at the the lady's house that they find out yes. it's in the it's in the uh, the doll. You, I just remembered Birdie. He um. Uncle Birdie, he uh, he kills himself, or he drunk he drinks himself into like like he gets incredibly drunk or something because he thinks after he finds the body because he thinks that yeah he doesn't kill himself it, I just think he's just it just gets really he, drunk is that yeah because like, they yeah. go because they go to him for help obviously and she, yeah. the little girl tries to go to sleep on the bed <laughs> yes and that's when they kind of they they steal his boat or maybe. His father's boat, or something like that. They steal a boat anyway from Birdie, isn't it, to go yeah. down the river? Um, and they eventually bump into Rachel Cooper, which is Lillian Gish, who's just like, like an otherworldly. I don't know. When they when he finds them, he's just like tearing through all the shrubbery. It's, it's awesome, and he's yeah. just like, it's like he's like his hands like a machete. Yeah, just like fr- just tearing through those branches and stuff. Like the yeah, and they kind of like the guttural screams he's kind of doing and yelling and just like, yeah, it's so. It's so weird. It's such an odd choice, but it works so well. <laughs> um, and yeah, basically, it goes pretty quickly. As you say, it's a pretty quick film. But we're at kind of Rachel Cooper's house now, and he knows they're there, and he starts stalking that particular house, really. And we talked about the scene a number of times when he's sitting outside, and there's a scene... Well, he does that, that earlier on, doesn't well. he? He stalks the, the family's house. But as yes. soon as he gets out yeah, of prison, yeah, yeah. like they see him outside the window before he's even acknowledged himself to any of the town folk or, or the yeah. wife. So he does it again, doesn't he? And he's kind of doing that weird, like he's not. He's almost like a vampire. Like he can't be. He can't go through those that picket fence without being invited. Being invited he kind in, of leans yeah, yeah. on it, like yeah, um, with these kind of hate knuckles. Have you ever seen the film The Seven Psychopaths? It's not a very good film. I have seen it, but I don't really remember anything about it. Actually. But the way that Harry Dean Stanton's dressed, and he's like always standing outside oh, someone's yeah. house, and, like, and they keep peering him out of a window. He's dressed like a pastor, like this kind of pastor, yeah. pastor, like a preacher man, like It's not a very good honestly. Film. Actually, Harry Dean Stanton is a good casting for this character. Oh yeah, doing that really well. Apparently, they are doing a reboot of it. They're well, doing a remake, or maybe telling the original story again, or something. Or maybe yeah. I just don't. <laughs> Again, this is because like this is so like perfectly shot. This is the kind of film I'm like they don't need to no, try. I don't do this need again. to like, but whatever. They just, that's the world of Hollywood. Oh yeah. But um, there's a what I'm yeah. So basically, he's stalking the house, and then he try and when he breaks into the house, that's when like Rachel Cooper shoots him with like the shotgun, and he kind of runs off into the barn and hides. If I remember yeah. right, um, they call the police, and the police are just like in no, they're not any rush to arrive or something. But I think at that time the police have also found the body of Wilma, so the police are also coming to arrest him for that murder. 
if I'm remembering yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, so they turn up and they kind of arrest him. And um, as he's kind of, as like John, the son, he's, a, he's like watching Powell get arrested again. He kind of, it's like, a, it's like um, a flashback to his father being arrested. And he kind of breaks down like the two. Yeah. I guess kind of like beats him with the, uh... or something like, or. Well, it's almost like he he's angry with his dad for putting this burden on him of this. Yes. Of having the money. So yeah. he beats him with the ragdoll with the money and the money flies everywhere. So money he's upset. He's, he's well, both yeah. upset because it reminds him of his dad, but also he's angry as well because, you know, if it well, wasn't for this money, this man would not have been entered their life. His mom wouldn't be dead. Yeah. And there's as we said, there's no plan for it. His father says, don't tell anyone about this money ever. And then his father's like killed. So like, it's just a... A promise that he had to make and a kind of a burden on his back to keep, but there's no plan for it. There's no, like, mm. he didn't help his mom with it, the money when maybe maybe he could have, you know, like or he doesn't do anything. It's just this burden that's like ruined his life and had him like this maniac chasing him. But how old do you reckon he's supposed to be? Like what, eight years old? I was thinking, like that. I was thinking a little older than that. I was no, thinking I'm, more. I like, mean, you know, I don't know. And you know, it goes with that fantasy element of it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, a kid in real life, I don't care what kid it is, would blurp it straight away. <laughs> <laughs> Ollie, it was the thirties. It's the depression yeah, era. Kids kids were different yeah. then. Yeah, they you wouldn't have any promise forever. Just, yeah. Um so like the end of the film is kinda of like there's like a it's almost like a Frankenstein kind of mob is like going around the police station and wanting to kill kill him, if I remember right. Well, why would why would the other, I don't know? I thought they were on his side because I, this is what I couldn't work out, and I probably because I, I watched this like finished watching it half an hour before we started recording. But why do they go after the kids and the you know the the lady when they're in the diner? Why do they point at them in there and then they run away? I think, so that's what. Yeah, I think you're right. I think what it is is that like it's meant to be that the town people were. F- Fooled for his child. That's what I mean. Yeah. So I think they yeah. they're kind of on his side. They believe his side of the story. Yeah. So he's... they're storming the police station because they're like, "How dare you arrest our preacher?" Kind of thing. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, but but then, he's like, kind film... of a bit like a Frankenstein because he's quite a big lumbering kind of character, yeah. though, isn't he? He's quite broad shouldered. Tall person. Yeah. Oh, you just reminded me of that image that you and Brad. I don't know if it was your Brandon shit. Of Robert De Niro wearing those <laughs> those big like high heeled shoes, so he looks taller than Al Pacino. <laughs> those weird like squishy tall shoes. Yeah, they look like Frankenstein. For yeah. Isn't it weird that he played Frankenstein? Oh, he did as that... well, didn't he? Fucking well, <laughs> the monster. Yeah. It's so weird that. It, no one talks about the fact that Robert De Niro played Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> I watched that because we read that in uh, for in GCSE. So really? The, yeah. So we watched the film as well. Do you remember the film? Vaguely. I mean, in, when did I do my GCSEs? Twenty years ago. So I just wonder if it's. I can't. I don't know if it's good or not. Um, I think it might be worth a, a rewatch. I mean, it's got Kenneth Branagh. He directed it as well, didn't he? Yeah, it's Kenneth Branagh directed, isn't it? Yeah. It's so weird. It's so oh, weird God. that they remade Frankenstein <laughs> in the nineties with him. Uh, and I guess we've already said at the end of the film is kind of like the it's it's Christmas and uh, Lily. Well, hang on. Sorry to, to backtrack though. There's a bit it's where fun. they run back 
to find the older, not daughter, but you know, the older girl that the the lady looks after. Yeah. What does she say? Because he, she's obviously been corrupted by by him as well. I think, hasn't she? It yeah. Sounds like she's I think kind of like, Rose, but her name's Ruby. But yeah, like. So we don't know if she sells them out or something because. Oh, uh, maybe. Because there's a scene that... earlier on where, she, you know, she, they're all going shopping and stuff like that. And she goes off wondering yeah. because I think she's got a boy in the town that she's kind of got hots for. Yeah. And then she bumps into Harry. And, ha- and so Harry's he, basically kind of trying she... to seduce her in like the ice cream parlor or whatever, isn't he? Yeah, because he learns then about the kids and knows yeah. that's how he knows that they live there. Um, But then later on, there's a, they're in court and um, they're trying to get the young boy to say, is this the man that killed your mother oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. and he refuses to say anything he doesn't say anything yeah so yeah it, it, there is a lot that goes on and it's it's but not at the same time i don't know it's a, but it's a it's such a good film it is brilliant it like is brilliant. he's but the thing is you, do you even see him on the dock no i don't think uh, you do i think you just i think see... you just see him go in a car at the end and that's it like kind of like once he's out of the the farmhouse you hardly see yeah him. it's like he's I... all powers taken away from him then so he's kind of got no power over him i don't know it's i seem to remember i seem to remember like the executioner says to him like like i'll see you soon or something like yes that. he that's does like, say that yeah, yeah. um I was going to say, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of shots in this as well. I think it was when the kids, it's, a, it's just the kids on their own running away. It's all shot kind of from their perspective. So it's kind of like child height kind of. Yeah, sure. And there's a lot of adults talking, especially that end shot, that end scene. It's a lot of adults talking that you don't see and you just see it from like their perspective. Their perspective and the top's kind of cut off. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it almost has like that Tom and Jerry kind of thing where yes. you just kind of hear like it's... <laughs> Yeah, people leaning over and talking to them and stuff like that. It is weird, like it is totally that that fairy tale element, fan, like uh, element to it. It's not a film for kids, you know. Like, but oh, yeah, it is yeah. shot with that kind of way way to it. And... But like all the, like Guillermo del Toro, like you were saying, like all of his films have been like that. Like you know, Devil's yeah. Backbone, um, Pan's Labyrinth. They've all been films that center on children. Yeah, but they're not kids' films. But they are fairy tale like. Yeah. I mean, I can absolutely see the connection to this. It's, it's funny because, like, Del Toro is one of these guys for me that I was just like, he makes such unique films, you know, in a, in a unique way. And then watching this one, like, oh no, he has influences. Like, he, he does. Yeah. Like, like it's Massively. it's unfair to it's unfair I to mean, think that everything's isolated. Like, well, like look at Shape of War. It's pretty much Creature of the Black Lagoon mixed with yeah. I don't know, like uh, something else. <laughs> <laughs> well, just mixed with like gothic horror and gothic yeah, romance, yeah. you know, like and. And like he lo- loves investigating this this kind of era of like America as well. Those kind of fifties paranoia or what have you is all kind of like I don't know weaved into his films. Especially Pacific Rim. Most I yeah. think that's the one it's most like <laughs> most found in. I'll tell you a secret. I'm going to cover my hand here. I don't like Pacific Rim. Uh don't worry. I don't like it either. I <laughs> don't. <laughs> no. I don't get it. I don't get why people love it so much. I'm more yeah. than willing if I maybe I'll watch it one day and go, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, it clicks with you. Yeah, it didn't work for me to be honest. It I know, like, me at all. like James loves it and stuff like that, but yeah. it just didn't didn't work for me. I was not into it in the slightest, and I just thought the monster designs were boring, like, and not not wild enough. They were just like, I don't know, 
Cloverfield. <laughs> I just found it weird that like the the robots could only be controlled could had to be controlled by two people that were kind of mentally connected. It just sound it just felt like such a massive kind of. It was very screenwritery, uh, isn't it? Over like, over the to- like I know it's over the top. It has to be over the top. It's, it's yeah. a giant run monsters fight, but it just felt more <laughs> things to go on to. And it's like you know you had enough with the giant robots and giant monsters. Do you know what I mean? And it's. Yeah, yeah. It's like when you're watching like, like some anime, and there's like too much detail. Like yeah. this, you're explaining too much at me. I can't remember what I was watching. I hated it. Sword Art Online. The first two episodes of that are some of the. I just couldn't. I turned it right. off and never watching anything again. And it was it was absolutely that they were saying like too much. They were giving me like too much information. Too many rules. I like rules in a film, you know, what's the rules of this world, but they were giving me too many exact rules. Like I was like like being handed a manual for this show. And I was like, I am not enjoying this at all. I don't care. This is like I don't care. I don't want this all this. I just just do your story and I'll it's pick like, up stuff. Like I know people may criticize Nolan for doing that, because he does. He over explains stuff as yeah. well. And it's confusing. But at least like in terms of visuals, it's something you can easily relate to and you get that straight away. It doesn't have crazy over the top like mecha robot suits that kind of also <laughs> take another like step of disbelief. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of that know, stuff you have to step away and then explain it again. Yeah. Kind of thing. And I don't like that at all. I do but anyway, like back to Southern Gothic horror. <laughs> yeah. Which this film doesn't do. <laughs> yeah. And I want to give Lillian Geish an award because <laughs> I, ca- I can't give her a trackie because it's not part of our main miniseries. I think you're allowed but, to. <laughs> but I'm going to give her best actress for the 50s because I just thought this was a stunning, stunning like performance which I was absolutely shocked by. There's such such amount of like, her character is so much so much like strength to her and so much like character that comes out you know like it's really hard to play that third act kind of role that isn't well, in yeah, really the she, rest of the film yeah because you only she doesn't come into like what the the hour mark maybe yeah yeah i mean i That's know she's at the beginning screen, but like yeah you know, sure but you by kind of a little bit back. forgotten yeah um but she's a breath of fresh air when she comes to the film because you think oh yeah. You know, you feel safe for the kids then. Like, as soon as she comes in, you know they're going to be okay. Yeah, like, yeah, she yeah. Has yeah. That. They've got someone on her side. And and when, like, he's... There's a bit when he's, like, chasing the sun under the, the porch. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she's threatening him and he's just ignoring him. Like, oh, go away. You know, like, not giving her any kind of... Not thinking she's a real threat. And then, like, when she marches in and pulls out the gun and starts prodding him with it on the porch, I was just like, I love this so much. Like, I didn't think, I didn't, I thought she was going to be a protector, but when, like, it turned to her being actually, like, a physical protector, I was just like, oh, my God, this is a performance. Like, she's, and, like, she's protecting them, even though she doesn't know the full story either. She just trusts these kids. Like, she knows. Yes. You know, she sees yes, through his absolutely. facade, but trusts the kids more so that, you know, I was saying, like, um, in her in her silent era films, her eyes are really like prominent. Mm-hmm. Um, they were always like, like I bet you they put extra makeup on and stuff like that. There was a big like feature of her, and I think they do the same thing in this as well. That they really use her eyes to be like, like to give her that strength of character in like in that kind of role. And yeah, 
don't know. I loved Lillian Gish in this film, and I feel like I've made a discovery, like a kind of <laughs> like I knew her name, but I'd never watched any of anything. You know, I've never, I've never watched any D.W. Griffith films, so like, I that's really. I don't know, it's really pleasing. It's something that we talk about in these miniseries about discoveries and stuff. Any final thoughts, I guess? Like Any other like, points or what's your ratings? Oh, it's a five out of five for me. Uh, just incredibly well acted. Just the cinematography was mwah, chef's kiss. Uh, great sound. <laughs> just just love the, the use of, of sets and just the, just the way they... I don't know, I just thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, great. Same. It was just like, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what I was going to see. And for this to be like a one and out director, which there's not many one and out directors out there that did anything that's that noteworthy. Uh, this might be the most noteworthy one and out director there is. I don't know. Like, I um, mean, like we've watched a lot of good film. I think, you know, probably because we haven't seen as many 50s films as we have 70s yeah. and 90s films. But I think, I don't think we've watched a bad film. I don't think. No, 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 we haven't. Um, we haven't. Not not this many. No, this one might be one of the best ones. Yeah, <laughs> which is, in, which again, like considering some of the ones we've watched, is so impressive. But like Rafifi so was that came out the same year as this was great for a whole. Like it was, I thought that was fantastic. It was great for a whole of the different yeah. kind of reason. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, now this was a treasure. I, I wish I'd seen yeah, it a bit earlier, but. Now we're seeing it now, so it's good. Like, yeah, well, you you can't, you know, hindsight's a beautiful thing. Like, you know, I wish I, you know, but you know, is what it is. So, what's happening next week then? Well, I don't know. Well, actually, actually, I might have to miss next week because I've my deadline is next week, so we might have a break again in the fifties. We've had so many breaks in the fifties. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. But yeah, so. Uh, Coming up on our slate, I think it's the better way to put it, is we've got Hitchcock film, Hitchcock film coming Hitchcock. up. Hitchcock. Hitchcock. <laughs> we've got Hitchcock. Have we decided which one we're doing, or are we doing two? Uh, we're doing Rear Window or Vertigo. Well, I'm happy to watch both. Yeah, I could watch both. Yeah, I could yeah. watch both. Because I've got we're... this, again, I've got a lovely Hitchcock Blu-ray box set that's just been sat on my shelf, never been watched, so... Have you seen? Have you seen either of those? Uh, no, I haven't. I've only seen Psycho and North by Northwest. Oh, oh and yeah, Thirty Nine Steps. I've not seen Thirty Nine Steps. <laughs> I've seen quite a few Hitchcocks. I have seen both of them, but it's been a long while since I've seen Vertigo. Though I've seen Rear Window relatively recently, but I'm always up for that. So yeah, let's watch both of those and let's talk Hitchcock. Okay, but also correct. like, but also coming up, we're gonna go have um, we'll have our fifties. Uh, like uh, like awards and a little roundup, and mm-hmm. I think we'll record one for twenty twenty as well. God, I'll we'll have, have to watch some more soon. films. I think I think I've seen Bill and Ted, and uh, <laughs> um, uh, Tenant. <laughs> no, I've seen a few. More, but no, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try and catch up on a few more. Because I mean, normally I'd like to do that around like February time, but everything's weird this year. The Oscars aren't for another month, which is insane. I know they're at the end of end of April. Yeah. So like, but I'd kind of like to get that out of the way, really, because otherwise it's going to be weird. We should record that at some point, so that'll be coming out at some point soon. Yeah, and then we'll be cracking um, on with our next decade. Our next decade, which I'm going to keep a secret, even though I think we've already said what it is, but I'm going to keep it a secret. <laughs> <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> 
Well, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, yeah, don't forget, you can reach out to us on Twitter. We are at Adjust Your Track. That's with a Y, not a your. Uh, we'd love to hear your feedback and comments on the films we've been watching, get a conversation going. That would be awesome. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you listen to us on, be that Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, uh, uh, Spotify. Um, we're on YouTube. Liam, get Godzilla on YouTube, please. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Don't forget, if the picture's bad, always adjust your tracking. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.